0: Hello everybody, hello and welcome to Essex Church where this community of Kensington Unitarians meets for worship each week during the year. This can be a time for you. I have no idea what your needs are right now. Some of us are longing to be back in community again after a time of quietness where we've perhaps not been in touch with others. Some of us have been overfaced, perhaps, by duties and responsibilities of this festive time. Other of us had joys that we want to bring and share. Whatever you bring this morning is fine. And whatever you make of this time we share together, it is for you you in community with others. So welcome, welcome one and all to our December the 30th service which focuses on the coming new year and and themes of the old and the new. So some opening words from Kathleen McTeague. The 1st of January, it's another day dawning. The sun rising as the sun always rises The earth moving in its rhythms with or without our calendars to name a certain day as the day of a new beginning, separating the old from the new. So it is. Everything is the same, bound into its history as we ourselves are bound. Yet we also stand at a threshold. The new year, something truly new, still unformed, leaving. An incredible power in our hands. What shall we do with this great gift of time this year? As we do each week, I light our chalice, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian Unitarian Universalist community and today I lighted, in recognition of years both old and new, for that which has passed and that which is yet to come, for people who have blessed this community by their presence in years gone by and for those who will arrive in future years. This small flame symbolises our commitment to religious freedom the world over, and in the year ahead may more people know that freedom for themselves. I'm going to ask John now to read one of his poems about the new year
1: This year is my foundation This year will be my making This year I will attempt things not done before This year I will really look at most of all all the trees I pass This year I will truly see Every trowel of soil I turn. This year I will listen to nearly every bird I hear. This year I will attend to all, or or nearly all, that other people say to me. So far as I am able, I will attempt, truly feel, truly make a happier new year for myself and all I meet. Yes, this year, this unrepeatable year, is my renewal. This year will be my making. This year I will attempt things not done.
0: Now, feel free to put your fingers in your ears for this reading. I can't decide if I like it. I think it all depends on how you feel about New Year's resolutions. This is an extract from a book by M.J. Ryan, and the book is called This Year I Will... Dot, dot, dot. How to Finally Change a Habit, Keep a Resolution, or Make a Dream Come True. um, Her book is described as a guidebook to achieving real and lasting change in your life. And this is an extract on um, transformation, change that comes in small steps. My husband Don, she writes, is a hoarder of stuff. Over the Christmas holidays this year, he decided to take charge of it once and for all. And a week later, he pronounced, I know what the problem is now. It's so out of control that it's overwhelming. I don't even know where to begin. So I've decided that for my New Year's resolution, I'm going to throw away one thing a day. All I have to do is go in there. I think it's a shed or a garage or some such space. I just have to go in there every day and throw away one thing. Now, actually, this is an aside, but I'm thrilled to see members of my congregation are already embracing this. (laughs) the other room there's a table with a a little pile of clearly unwanted gifts saying unwanted and homeless and it's been added to already so keep bringing those gifts in only new though only new gifts so back to MJ Ryan smart man she writes he's figured out a secret to change one tiny step at a time and it often doesn't matter which small step just take one as long as it's little then take another, repeat until you've arrived where you want to be. This is a great technique, not only for clearing clutter, but for any task that feels overwhelming. Want to lose 50 pounds? Concentrate on losing one by cutting out fried foods, perhaps, or, or putting less mayonnaise on your sandwich. Successes like these can just be met by small incremental changes allowing people to keep on going on and on and on till they feel that they've reached their goal. Want to change careers? Well just take one class or read a book or have a conversation then figure out your next small step. Want to write a book? Commit to writing one line a day otherwise it can seem so daunting that you may never begin. Now, it turns out that this technique has a name, kaisen, a Japanese strategy for change that relies on tiny, continuous improvements. Why it works, and this was the bit that interested me, why it works apparently has to do with the brain structure. Whenever we initiate a change, even if it's a really positive one that we want to initiate... Um, it activates fear in our emotional brain. And if the fear is big enough, the fight-to-flight response will go off and we'll run away from what we're trying to do or build a block. The small steps in Kaizen don't set off that fight-or-flight response. They rather keep us in the thinking brain where we have access to both our creativity and playfulness. And when they say small, they mean small. She goes on to give examples such as If your dentist has told you to floss your teeth and you find that a little overwhelming, just choose one to floss each day and then add another. (laughs) You want to get fit? Well, march in place. Just for a couple of minutes each day, apparently there was an experiment at the uh, University in Bristol that divided a group of people into two. And uh, one group were told to take 10,000 steps a day, and the other group were told to take 2,000 steps a day. And of course, at the end of the experiment, the 2,000ers had had a much greater um, success rate than the, the ones that had the larger target Breaking it down into small steps gives you the chance to experience success, which provides momentum to keep on going. It's also a great antidote, apparently, to procrastination, something I know well. You don't have to do it all, just one small thing. The smallness of the task makes it possible to keep going. So think, what is the first small step that you might choose to take Go ahead, underwhelm yourself. The success you create may give you the courage and the enthusiasm to persevere and maybe perhaps up the stakes. Once you've done step one, well, start flossing that second tooth. <laughs> this um, this address is is about the old and the new and it's going to end with a a simple ritual of letting go and welcoming in and on the back of your hymn sheet uh, there are some um, thoughts about that ritual and how we might use it so you might want to have a a look at that Um, we've just got the two days left of the year 2012 and the ending of a year is traditionally a time for reflection for taking stock As I considered this theme and I thought of this community of ours here at Essex Church, I knew that some people, if asked, would have to describe this year of 2012 as the most difficult year of their lives, just as others would say it was perhaps their happiest, with most of us somewhere between the two. If it rains tomorrow, then 2012 will enter the record books as the wettest year in England since records began in in 1910. But I wonder what stands out for you as you think back over this past year. And we religious liberals, well, we know that the choosing of December the 31st as the end of the year, well, that's an arbitrary choice, isn't it? If we consult other religious traditions, then we might prefer to recognise the pagan New Year at Samhain, or Halloween, as it's more popularly known, or the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah may call to us with its notable traditions of seeking forgiveness for wrongs committed in the previous year, the eating of honey and apple cakes to encourage sweetness in the year to come. Some of us are still connected to the academic year that begins in September when schools open once more after those long summer holidays when adult education classes begin again. The truth is that we make all this up anyway. None of it matters, and yet, and yet... I think there is something to be gained from marking the days. Herb Gardner writes, you've got to own your days and name them, each one of them, every one of them, or else the years go right by and none of them belongs to you. So we may as well mark the end of the year and honour the passing of time. So, we can use this end-of-year time to take stock, to reflect on that which has passed and that which is yet to come. But maybe it is worth remembering as well that we did make it up and that it matters both a great deal and not at all. In the book we heard an extract from earlier on, MJ Ryan's This Year I Will, the author quotes various studies that show how many of us make New Year resolutions and how many of us keep them. It's something like... Nearly 50% of people will make some kind of resolutions as the new year arrives, and around 8% of people say that they achieve them. That doesn't sound an unreasonable statistic to me, but, but then my, my whole approach to the changing of habits was shaped um, by a course I went on many years ago about addiction, Uh, It was run by followers of Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, uh, later known as Osho. Now, Osho came to a pretty sad end, really, and it's a shame if that discredits his teaching, because they're often remarkable, his teachings, about the human condition. And you you can still find quite a few of his articles online about all sorts of issues. But this particular talk that we listened to um, started because a young man spoke about his shame at having set off on the spiritual path but being a smoker and, and the seeming impossibility for him of ever giving smoking up. And Bhagwan turned the whole problem on its head. He laughed at the smoker's earnestness and, and he asked him if he thought that God or the universe cared at all whether he smoked or not. This addiction was completely inconsequential in the greater scheme of things. But what did matter was his attitude to the problem. He needed to turn his addiction, Bagwan said, into a spiritual act to make every cigarette he smoked into a conscious act of love and devotion. Because the problem with addictions, according to Bagwan, was the same problem that we have with the whole of life. That we humans, most of us anyway, conduct most of our lives in a half-asleep state of well-nigh total unawareness. We do things, we say things, we think things, we feel things without any reflection on what we're up to. The challenge with drinking, or smoking, or eating too much, or being critical, or fearful, or lazy, or messy, or making mistakes, dot, 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 fill in here any aspect of your life that you disapprove of, or that you dislike, or that you would like to change. The problem with these issues is actually then not to fight the issue, or shun it, or feel ashamed of it in any way because this merely perpetuates the problem that exists only within our own minds anyway, or within the minds of those who are so anxious and unaware of their own problems that they decide to focus on your issues instead. Now, Bagwan suggests instead that we choose our addictions or our problems, we embrace them and love them and engage in them as consciously as we can. Because once there is conscious awareness... This freedom to choose. Now, of course, in real life, there are limits to our freedoms and much that we have to deal with in life, we have little choice over. I think of people I know who are grappling. Where do we begin? With illness, with financial problems, with bereavement. We have no choice over these life events that arrive at our doors, oft times, unannounced and certainly uninvited, All that we have any choice over is our response to what occurs. And it's in that spirit that I invite you now, if you wish, to take part in a simple ritual. On the hymn sheet that came with your order of service today, there are two simple questions. As we enter the threshold to the new year, are there issues that you are ready to say farewell to, old ways of being that you are ready to shed, necessary goodbyes to be said before you can perhaps move on. If you wish, join in this simple ritual of choosing a stone, holding it in your hand as you think of that which you are ready to release, and then drop the stone into the bowl of water that I will bring. The cleansing nature of water may also help in this process of letting go. And then there is a second part to this ritual in which I ask you to consider ways of being, qualities perhaps that you would like to welcome into your life in the year ahead. And there will be a little tray of new candles. I invite you to choose a new candle to take away with you to remind you Of that which you open your heart and mind to. As you consider that which has passed in your lives, may it perhaps become the richest of composts that can bring nourishment. your soul and may we honour all that has gone before for the lessons that it brings us may we reflect wisely on the past and learn to let go and find ways to move on into the unknown future treating each day anew May our hearts and our minds be open to the possibilities before us. And may we welcome into our lives and into the life of our world all that may be for the greater good of all. Amen. In each moment of our lives, we are walking into mystery, facing the future with no idea of what lies ahead. So may we be good companions to one another on this journey, reminding one another that our experiences in life are both unique and shared. All we kindred pilgrim souls, making our way by the lights of the heavens in our beautiful blue boat home. Amen. Go well and blessed be.